you know mm-hmm. with books and authors and writers and other publishers across the world really um yeah. you know from let's say north america all the way to australia mm-hmm. uh, which i think is a is for me was a very uh, was an amazing experience and i think quite uh, in a way quite unusual because it actually was a consequence a result of a uh, coming together of several things in you know in the 80s 1980s mm. 1990s mm. um a wonderful uh, women's movement uh, a women in print movement which people actually don't know too much about you know the women yes. publishers uh, designers binders librarians bookstore owners um mm. reviewing periodicals um you know um, even printers um yes. and that movement was very very much a part of you know what all of us were doing across the world hmm. so um for me you know this actually if it hadn't been for this lockdown and that kind of you know a spare time that one had hmm. i don't know if i would have you know looked back in this way but hmm. looked back uh, while in the moment you know what i mean Yes. Um, as sort of you know that that famous kierkegaard saying that life must be lived forwards but can only be understood backwards <laughs> so that sort of moment of um um of remembering but also of of recounting you know mm. i mean it it seemed like it just happened i mean i wasn't planning to do anything of the kind it just happened Mm. um and it happened in a, i suppose in an organic way so it's yes. about all that it's about the authors the most remarkable women that we've had the good fortune to publish uh mm. the, the the publishers we've worked with the um the times we lived in uh the kinds of relationships uh that you know we were able to to make um mm. all of that but you know i didn't want it to be anything very heavy or very you know it it was as i remembered so yes actually, that's that's what it is it doesn't pretend to be anything more than it is um mm. it's it's a glimpse as i've said 
Yes, you've got that glimpse thing out by, you know, by saying that, you know, on this page, you know, this posted from so and so, you know, and one gets the feeling that you are actually looking through your address book and putting this down. So, uh, in fact, I mean, it's not every day, obviously, but I was, I did look, I mean, it started that way. I I was looking for something. And Mm. as um, as I, as I began to look, I you know how it is you, yes. you you sort of go back you begin remembering you make connections it's it's associations it's a yes. stream of consciousness that's what it was mm-hmm. but of course obviously i'm not doing it at one sitting so it was interleaved mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, you know i just thought i have to change the tone i can't make it into a diary entry tone because it becomes uh, very monotonous. Yeah, so you have to change the tone, and how do you do that? Um, yes, goes by by interleaving. Hmm. And, and and diaries sometimes tend to get very. Uh, I mean, I don't know, focused on the self, which this isn't at all. You know, you've mm. you've given a. I mean, a, perhaps a reader who has no idea of what what. Um, life was like in a pre-internet era even that's that's what partly i mean who Mm -hmm. has address books now yes i i really don't know that this is something that uh that is a a common or a you know a taken for granted item um but of course it's it's the only thing we all had um Mm. and uh and it is it is reminiscent of a particular time of a particular kind of communication of a particular kind of of um how should i put it enterprise at, at least speaking mm. of feminist publishing mm. i mean we we were all connected because we were all uh, together in something yes i mean as i say it was a, a kind of internationalism which i i'm not sure mm. that we can speak of it in the same way today Yes, uh, because it's it's changed. You know, the environment has changed. Uh, while I was reading a book, I was thinking that though we make easier connections online, I mean, you know, on social media with people who might be like minded. But when I read your book, I thought that the connections uh, you made were much deeper. Yes, I know what you're saying. And I think that mm-hmm. in a way it might be, you know, for instance, we used to communicate by letters. Hmm. Uh, there was no email. Yes. At most, we had faxes. Hmm. And a fax was for when you really had something urgent to communicate. There were no online banking, no online transfers. There was no instant communication. So hmm. uh, maybe one reason for what you call uh, deeper or depth is that things were slower. Hmm. It took time. Yes. Um, I mean, when I started to when I sort of included all those letters in the, mm. in, the in the book. Yes. The facsimiles of letters that authors wrote to us. Mm. Now there's no such thing. There's no one writes a letter anymore. Yeah. And people write emails or they tweet or they mm. send a WhatsApp message. Yes. Um, and, you know, that's the extent of the communication. And the nature of that communication is slightly different. Yes. So I'm not sure whether that's an indication of depth or of a particular way of communicating. Hmm. Uh, I mean, those links are still there, obviously. We still continue. We still work with several presses across the world. We still 
are engaged with them. And of course, we're not, you know, we're not writing letters in the same way. But what I'm saying is we're building on a relationship that is older. Yes. That's not yes. only today's relationship. Hmm. Um, so, and also, okay. you know, of course, one is of another generation. So you, hmm. you that's part of the experience. Yes. What, oh. what was very nice was in this um, in this recall was to see actually the geographical spread. Hmm. You don't really, you know, you don't really think about it too much as you are working, as you go on, as you you know keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Then, as I say, when you when you begin to uh, to dwell on it or look back on it, then a certain kind of pattern falls into place. Yes. And also when you deal with, you know, the, the, the Palestinian writers and, you know, that whole, it, it kind of brings out how even we as a nation have changed, right? Yes, because of course. You know, talk about that. And you mentioned about the embrace of Israel, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, you know, um, the thing is that the change has been post let's say in a most uh, in a most sort of uh, in in a marked way in a sharp way uh, from uh, let's say 2000 uh, a post 2010 you know india is mm-hmm. india is one of the few countries in the world that has a mission in palestine yes. in ramallah yes. mm-hmm. um, and that speaks of a very old solidarity with the palestinians mm-hmm. uh, very old and very continuous it yes, has never been broken despite this embrace of Israel. But what has happened is that we are not as vocal and we are not as a nation. We are not mm. as vocal and we are not as as strong in mm. our support as earlier. Yes. Now, the thing is, at a political level, yes, you can be supportive of a cause. And it's a good thing uh, that we are still mm. supportive of that cause. But what what interested me was to see how that life is lived over there. We know so little about that. Hmm. We we don't really know the literature. We don't really know the culture. We don't really know what it is to live under occupation. Yes. And yet, of course, some of the most amazing writing is coming out of that region, the whole region. Hmm. I mean, you know, Lebanon, Syria, yeah. um, Palestine. Um, mm. Egypt, Iraq, all these countries that are under duress in one mm. way or another, in different degrees. Yes. Mm. The writing that is coming out of there is quite astonishing, but we are really not that familiar with it. So it mm. seems to me that it's one of the things that one could do. And it it also seemed like a thing that other people were not doing. I mean, other publishers have not looked at this at all, really. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that has always been a a priority for us is to go where other people don't go. Okay. You see, there's Mm -hmm. no point my publishing cookbooks or fiction or romance because everyone else is doing it much better than I ever could. Mm -hmm. So why Mm -hmm. should I go there? Yes. And why should anyone come to me? So the idea was always to do what other people were not doing. When we started publishing blogs, for example, when we published the Iraqi writer Riverbend after yes. the uh, U.S. invasion of Iraq hmm. uh, in 2003, uh, hmm. no one was doing blogs. 
Yeah. I mean, certainly no publisher was thinking of, of publishing anybody's blogs. Hmm. They, they weren't even considered a form worth the, uh, you know, worth thinking about. Yes. Uh, when we published uh, Laila Al-Haddad from uh, the Al Jazeera reporter after the hmm. siege of Gaza, it was, you know, blogs like those are not an individual blogger writing about themselves or mm. uh, what they are preoccupied with, but they were linked very much to what was happening on the ground. Yes. It seemed to me it was very important to get, uh, uh, you know, a, not maybe not a feminist, but certainly a women's perspective on it, which is yes. very different. Mm. different in 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 different contexts and situations so as i said you know manjula the thing is a lot of these things don't make commercial sense yes but they make very good literary and social and cultural sense yes and that became uh, an important consideration for everything that we used to do but certainly mm. for the arabesque series the palestine and the other arab writers mm. series that mm. it made great literary and cultural and social political sense to do mm. that and i'm very happy to say that now other people are also doing it i mean we invited a lot of palestinian writers we invited egyptian writers mm. um lebanese as and you know one of the most wonderful things has been mm the the realization that there is enormous respect for india in west asia mm. enormous mm. The writers have been looking to india not just the palestinians by the way mm. who are deeply re- appreciative till lately of india's awesome. support for their cause mm. but the whole of west asia syria mm. egypt um of course i've never been to iraq but lebanon mm. Hmm. all of these places so you know i thought we have really very old historical links with these places yes why don't we ever think of their writers and their literature hmm. the problem is that you know we don't have um, translation from arabic available easily so you really have to look hmm. and work at getting it finding it and so on but hmm. what i'm saying is that it it was it's been a very Uh, worthwhile and i must say an extremely satisfying um you know uh, project if you like mm-hmm. um, and you also mentioned that it's uh, it's probably and it is i guess because of our uh, colonial um, you know history that we have focused only on english speaking uh, you know publishing that. you know yeah partly colonial but partly also because you know that's the center of power in international yes. publishing yes. Uh, it's the center of power even for europe hmm. not just for us not just for the you know formally formally colonized um, okay. where you know english obviously has become uh, but it's the dominant language in the world and hmm. certainly english language publishing is the is the dominant publishing uh, industry in the world as well and mm. uh, europe too looks to uh, the english speaking world for example uh, mm. in europe i mean european publishers who are not corporatized yet most of mm. them are independent mm. but european publishers um, 33% of what they publish is in translation from english okay you can imagine and mm. in 
for the English speaking world, only between three and five percent of what they publish is translated from other languages. Hmm. That's a real imbalance there. So you can see the imbalance. So what I'm saying hmm. is that this anglophone uh, tendency or orientation is is not peculiar to us, of course. Okay. But we we experience it much more because, hmm. of course, we are much closer to that industry and that literature and that history mm. than, let's say, Europe is. And plus, of course, all those publishers have historically been in India as well. Yes. More now than earlier. But mm. after all, we've had uh, British subsidiaries, uh, Indian subsidiaries of British publishers here for over 100 years. That's true. That's true. Yes. And I, I liked how, you know, you brought out... Um, brought out aspects of the uh, French feminist press, you know, that that was really fascinating. <laughs> I know, that's what happens when you look back. There's, there are things that, uh, yeah, things that may have receded into the background, but, but are still, uh, are still present, uh, maybe not as actively, but as, mm. as part of the, the continuous history uh, I think they have a place. I mean, whether you're in the beginning or the middle or the or towards the end, it is still a spectrum. And that mm-hmm. spectrum, the variety of that spectrum, uh, you know, the diversity of that spectrum. Of course, I mean, I could have gone on and on about German feminist presses and, you know, Dutch and et cetera, et cetera. But OK, uh, <laughs> you have to stop somewhere. So, I mean, and well, you know, you brought out that particular French feminist press being so chic and all yeah. that, and you know, incredibly <laughs> chic. I mean, you really feel uh, very shabby in their presence. But I suppose that's true of, um, of Paris and Parisian and everything else. I mean, they are very chic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know that the Australians are extremely informal and laid back and great fun. I mean, you know, they have oh. a very different kind of, uh, which which would probably not be the same in Germany. I don't know. Mm. What, what are the Australian feminist presses like? You haven't. Well, we work with yeah, we work with Spinifex, which has been around now for um, I think almost thirty years, so almost as old as us. Uh, hmm. their 30th anniversary or their 25th I can't remember anyway maybe between 25 and 30 um, hmm. very active very radical working a great deal with uh, aboriginal writing or original oh. Australian writing hmm. um, and extremely committed uh, hmm. to, um, you know to uh, to recovering and making available this kind of material but also international we, we publish they published quite a lot of the Palestinian writing that we do. In fact, right now, we are working mm. on an anthology of Palestinian women political prisoners, their mm. testimonies, political prisoners in Israeli jails. Mm. Um, so, you know, that's something we are going to be publishing quite soon. And uh, I'm hoping that the Australian uh, press, that Spinifex, will come in on it as well. So, you know, we do share these these, uh, how should I say, these political uh, convictions um, in the publishing. It's, it's, it's one thing to have a political convic- conviction as an individual, hmm. but it's quite another to be able to translate that into the, the books we do. Yes. You see, 
So that's mm. something that has been very, very uh, encouraging, very satisfying. Mm. Um, it's like, you know, I mentioned uh, Vandana Shiva's book. Can you imagine yes. five, five South American publishers collaborating on a single translation? Yeah, that's important. It's, it's quite, it's not something that you find in the normal course. Hmm. So it's that kind of of uh, um, collaboration that hmm. is very, very uh, distinct from hmm. uh, other publishing, which is much more competitive. Yes. You know? yeah. And they would, they would think many times before uh, venturing into something like this. Hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. for many of us, it it is uh, it is something that we uh, we have done and will continue to do. So it's not new. It's not it's not a risk. I mean, hmm. everything we do has a certain amount of risk, but this is not the risk. We are not in competition with each other. Yes. So, which is, I suppose, why you got upset when the with the Su- Suzy Taru incident. Right? I Did was a little bit, yeah, no, we were a bit disappointed because, you know, mm-hmm. after all, uh, there is a way by which, you know, you reinforce or support uh, mm-hmm. what, is a, what is a shared objective. Yes. Now, if, if that becomes, uh, of course, I'm not, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it happens frequently. That was mm. not the one and only case. It happens very mm. often. And it okay. happens for very good reasons. I, I, I mm. can't go into that now too much. But it mm. happens for reasons that are that are understandable and mm. that, you know, you appreciate. But I'm saying yeah. that at that point for us, mm. Mm. Uh, you know, it was like this, Manjula. A lot of stuff that in those days, those early days, a lot of stuff, yes. and even today, I dare say, that other mm. publishers would not even consider doing, we did. Yeah. Okay. We did because we believed in it. Hmm. And we thought we must do this. It's what we yeah. have set ourselves up for. Hmm. And we hoped that, you know, we would continue to do that kind of thing, even when, you know, uh, feminist writing and hmm. feminist uh, research uh, became much more desirable, much more viable. In other words, it was fine when we took the risk, but when it came time to 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 reap the success of that risk, uh, people moved on. Okay, you see what I'm saying? Hmm. When when there is a manuscript that no one else will do, then of course you go to a feminist press because maybe they'll do it. Is it still like that? Yes, it is. It is pretty much like that. I think so. Yeah. That's Ritu Menon of the feminist press, Women Unlimited, talking about her new book, a dress book, a publishing memoir in the time of COVID. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.